0: John Boyd Bolton is one of those guys who never wanted to work at a big company because he likes the energy that comes with working at a startup. And back in 2016, things were looking pretty good for John. He was an executive at Flipogram. It's an app that lets people stitch together photos and music to make little montages for social media.
1: We were just cruising at Flippagram. We thought we were going to be the next Instagram uh, because the numbers we had were just staggering.
0: And you know what happens when you get big in the startup world? Either you get really, really big and you go public, or you get acquired. And John was hoping Flippogram might get bought by a big-name tech company like Apple or Facebook. I mean, if Facebook wanted Instagram, why not flippogram But instead, the buyer that came calling was a company in China that John had never heard of, called ByteDance.
1: The first time it came up, you know, we're like, a Chinese tech company? Oh, like, we were like, no, <laughs> we were disappointed because, um, we you know, we hadn't heard of it. We, you know, we were hoping for some big exit to to a Facebook or, you know, we wanted a high profile company, uh, you know. And yeah, and so to have a a, a Chinese tech company that we never heard of was not exciting. But this was a company that acquired
0: Flipogram. ByteDance had money to spend and they wanted to have a bigger presence in the U.S., they also wanted Flipgram because of the music deals it had with major record labels. After the acquisition went through, the CEO of ByteDance flew to L.A. to check out the American company he had just purchased.
1: I, and I think it was December 2016 when Yiming, uh, the CEO of ByteDance, came to our office. And uh, he told us uh, about ByteDance. And I just remember him showing some of the data and the products. And, you know, I was like, oh, wow, this is... This isn't some unknown little Chinese tech company. This is, this thing's massive. This is really interesting.
0: ByteDance was massive. They were valued at $10 billion in 2017. And they had just raised a huge funding round from some major VC firms with one goal in mind.
1: I think they were trying to get uh, a real foothold in the United States. And, and, you know, they were really trying to branch out of China.
0: And though the Flipagram team was impressed by the size and scope of ByteDance, ByteDance's CEO Zhang Yiming brought along something else to sweeten the deal.
1: I think it was almost the Chinese New Year. And so they had handed out, you know, red envelopes with, with cash in it. And I thought, well, that's a, that's a good start, I guess.
0: It's customary in China to give small cash gifts during the New Year. But it's so funny to me that ByteDance is paying millions of dollars to acquire Flipagram, And the thing John remembers is the 50 bucks he got in the red envelope. Flippagram was not the first or the last startup that ByteDance would acquire. Because a year and a half later, ByteDance buys a lip-syncing app called Musical.ly. Meaning overnight, ByteDance goes from having almost no presence in the U.S. to having over 100 million American users. And the Musical.ly acquisition was the basis for ByteDance's most famous product, TikTok. I'm Shelley Banjo. You're listening to Foundering. In the previous episode, we told you about Musical.ly and its eccentric founder, Alex Jew. Musical.ly is important because it served as a blueprint for TikTok. The apps even look similar, and many of the baby Musical.ly users would grow up to become stars on TikTok. But TikTok's global scale, its insane popularity, its advanced algorithms, well, that's all thanks to ByteDance. This episode will tell you the story of ByteDance's rise, its ambitious CEO, Zhang Yiming, and how it grew to become the biggest startup in the world. After a quick break. ByteDance's founder, Zhang Yiming, is not a household name, but he's fundamentally changed the way people consume media on their phones. He's basically outplayed Mark Zuckerberg and Evan Spiegel at their own game. John says he was really surprised by Zhang Yiming's personality when they first met.
1: Founders tend to be, you know, loud or, you know, bullish or big personalities, overly charismatic. And, uh, you know, he just just didn't have any of that. Quiet and humble and, and, you know, always bowing in a way and, you know, very un-American in a way, right? Like, And that for someone to have created something so compelling uh, and so successful and to carry yourself like that, I think is uh, actually a testament of character.
0: Zhang Yiming was born in 1983. He's the only son of two government workers. He grew up in Fujian Province, which is a coastal region in China, where some of the first private companies popped up when China started opening up to the world. Yiming studied software engineering at Nankai University and was invited back to his alma mater in 2016 to talk to the incoming freshman students. He told them that making friends didn't come naturally to him, so he relied on his love of computers to help get him through college.
2: How did I socialize as a science student who didn't usually participate in group activities? I mainly relied on my interest in repairing computers. I helped classmates choose components and assemble dozens of computers. Of course, a lot of them were for female classmates. Repairing computers has led to some of the great achievements in my life. I met my girlfriend at the time, who is my wife now when I fixed a computer.
0: Well, if that's not true love, then really what is? Yiming said he was bookish and quiet. He kept to himself, even in college.
3: When
2: Vieta students were playing video games and card games, I spent that time reading books. And I wasn't just reading books and computer programming. I was looking at different biographies, local and international newspapers and magazines.
0: Yiming's love of biographies is a detail that really sticks out for me. It's something he mentions frequently.
2: I have to say, biographies work almost like a sort of chicken soup for the soul. And I've read a lot of biographies. I learned that many successful people seemed to lead ordinary lives before they achieved great success. Their actions looked insignificant at the time. But in the end... The dots connect, and you can see the arc of their success.
0: It's fun to imagine Yuming as a college student, spending his time fixing computers and just devouring these biographies. He studied the lives of these towering figures closely. I think that's because he yearned to build something great, just like the men and women in the books. Years later, after ByteDance had already gotten pretty big, I visited its Beijing headquarters for some interviews, and I remember seeing these oversized posters of book covers hanging on their office walls. They were biographies of legendary American tech founders like Steve Jobs and Jeff Bezos. I found it so unusual. I snapped some pictures and sent them to my editor. It's not every day you see an oversized photo of Jeff Bezos' face hanging from the walls of a Chinese company. Yiming mentions this again during his first interview with Western Media. My colleague Peter Elstrom sat down with him in 2017. Notice, Yiming only brings up American tech founders as his role models, not, say, a Chinese founder like Alibaba's Jack Ma.
4: But I read uh, quite a lot of story about Bill Gates uh, when I was young and Steve Jobs and Wozniak. When I graduated uh, from, uh, I graduate from university. I pay quite a lot of attention to Amazon and Facebook.: mm-hmm.
0: I get two things out of this tape. One, he not just some engineer who only cares about code, he's paying attention to how businesses are run. And two, yeah. he's got his eyes on the competition.:
4: I, I pay attention to Facebook from 2006. Mm-hmm. So I think they start a company in 2004, and yeah. mm-hmm. I graduated in 2005.
0: Notice how he emphasizes his attention to Facebook. Because a few years after this interview, Yiming's company would pose the biggest threat Facebook had ever seen. And here, he's saying that he was tracking Facebook closely almost a decade before ByteDance even existed. After college, Yiming became a software engineer. He worked at a bunch of startups and did a brief stint at Microsoft, but quit because he said it was too boring.
4: Yeah, I participated in several startups Mm -hmm. So most are search engine companies or social network companies. I think uh, four companies before I started this company, yeah. In
0: 2012, he founded ByteDance out of a Beijing apartment when he was 29 years old. His first product was a mobile app that showed you jokes. And it was really simple. You see a joke or a funny meme pop up on your phone, and you give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. The concept seemed pretty basic but it was the foundation for all of ByteDance's future products. First, they figured out what makes each person laugh. Then, as the company expanded into news and video, they were learning what individual users wanted to read and watch. They were collecting reams and reams of data. Here's Lu Jen, a former senior executive at ByteDance in 2019. Um, so the
4: company was actually founded, I think, with a very simple purpose of connecting information, people, in a new way, in a mobile way. Mm-hmm. Then later on, we um, add on not only news, but all formats of content,
0: variety of contents, you know, funny jokes, entertainment. Later, she would liken the artificial intelligence behind the app to a child. She told me, it takes time to build up the child's intelligence. But once you do, they'll grow up to be a super smart adult, capable of more and more things. The technology that Yiming developed for the Jokes app would fuel the rise of the company's next hit product, Totiao, a Chinese newsreader that would make ByteDance ubiquitous across China and catch the attention of venture capitalists around the world. Let me try to convey to you just how big Totiao is in China. It's been downloaded more than 700 million times. The closest comparison in the U.S. is probably Google News, but Totiao is a much bigger deal. Because for lots of folks in China, Toutiao has become the only place they get the news. They've abandoned other newspapers and media websites, which are largely controlled by the Chinese government. Tochiao delivers a totally different experience. AI algorithms pick and choose the articles you see, based on your preferences and personality. And that gives ByteDance deep insight into the minds of its users. Here's an interview with Yi Ming during a tech event in Shanghai in 2015.
5: What if the day comes when ByteDance knows me better than my own husband? Are you worried about that? That there might be an app that understands you better than the people around you?
2: Well, computer algorithms are getting smarter and smarter, but they're essentially simple and pure. (laughs)
5: How can I be sure that the algorithm will remain simple and pure when you're the guy behind the machines?
2: Well, I'm also very pure.
5: Who can guarantee that they will stay pure?
2: Honestly, computers are basically simple and pure. A lot of people worry that computers might become monsters and do evil things, but. Honestly, computers break everything into small steps that people observe and control. I think we probably don't have to worry about computers and maybe we should worry more about people.
0: I've never heard a CEO talk about his pure intentions on TV. It's kind of bizarre. But the other thing that's interesting here is that the news anchor is really pushing him on deep data mining and his apparent disregard for user privacy. And Yiming kind of laughs it off. He says he really believes in the purity of the technology and of his own good intentions. It's funny to listen to this tape all these years later, because the biggest controversy around TikTok basically boils down to this. What are they doing with all the user data they've collected? And does China's government have access to data from Americans? Even now, Yiming has maintained that all these fears over national security are unfounded. And his message has been pretty consistent. He's essentially saying, I'm a good guy, and I built a good product. You can trust me. Yiming is now one of the richest people in China. But when he started his company, his success was anything but assured, because he was coming up during a boom time for the Chinese tech industry. Competition was cutthroat, and it was hard to know which companies were going to flop and which ones would hit it big.
5: You're watching history from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, America's money Mecca. Alibaba will in fact be the largest IPO in history. This is a profitable company. It's a very, very profitable company. And that's, you know, a lot of these IPOs are not. 88% of Americans had no idea what Alibaba was. And you're talking about the biggest IPO in U.S. history, bigger than Visa, bigger than Twitter, bigger than Facebook. This company is massive.
0: That euphoria spiked in September 2014 when Alibaba listed on the New York Stock Exchange. It was worth $25 billion dollars and investors started searching for the next Alibaba, the next Chinese success story. Around that time, Yiming hopped on a plane to California with a group of other young Chinese founders that were eyeing the U.S. market. There, they toured the halls of hot Silicon Valley tech companies like Facebook, Google, Tesla, and Yiming became convinced that a Chinese tech entrepreneur like himself could compete with the Googles and Facebooks of the world. Yiming even gave a speech at a conference held on Facebook's Menlo Park campus about China's growing tech scene. He called his presentation, the future of information. During his speech, he laid out a roadmap for his vision of social media. He told the audience, we aggregate as much data as possible and analyze every action from each user. I see this as really foreboding. Yiming went into Facebook's office and gave them a peek into his own aggressive tactics. It was like an early warning of what was to come. We'll be right back. In China, the tech industry is dominated by just two companies, Alibaba and Tencent, and they have lots of money. And one thing about China is that unlike the U.S., there wasn't a well-established system of venture capital. So Alibaba and Tencent essentially act as the VCs. They funneled billions to startups to get a piece of what's coming and to head off the competition. So if you're a hot tech startup like ByteDance, it's basically understood you'll choose one side or the other, Alibaba or Tencent. For ByteDance, it was Tencent that came calling. They approached Ming to invest in his company, but Yiming made a very unusual move. He
2: turned the money down. Earlier this year, there was news that Tencent was interested in buying a stake in ByteDance and that you turned down the investment. Yeah. when that news came out, a colleague told me he didn't join ByteDance to become a Tencent employee. And I told him I didn't found ByteDance to become a Tencent employee either. That's not to say we have a problem with working with Tencent or competing with Tencent. But what I want is that we become a company that builds a platform that adds value to society and that we do that by ourselves.
0: That was Ming speaking on CCTV in 2016. You can hear the pride in his voice as he says he didn't want to be beholden to anyone even if it meant turning down the money. He wanted to run ByteDance his own way.
2: As far as your own business goes, are you running it as a democracy or a dictatorship? I think there's a fine line. Internally, everyone in the company is pretty equal. We can all communicate and express our opinions. When the CEO makes a decision, you shouldn't make other people feel afraid to speak out. That's the bottom line. You need to make sure of that, otherwise you miss out on important information. Ideally, you'll have opportunities to learn, and you can afford to make mistakes along the way. And you can share the opportunities with your team members so they have the agency to make their own decisions.
0: That was Ming on a Chinese talk show in 2017. It sounds like he's modeling his business after an American company rather than a Chinese one. Part of that is because he took money and advice from American and foreign VC firms, many of them in Silicon Valley. ByteDance even looks like a futuristic Silicon Valley office. It's built out of a converted airplane hangar, so it's an expansive space. There are few walls, no real offices, just rows and rows of engineers staring at computer screens. Yiming also tried to subvert China's corporate culture, which tends to be pretty hierarchical. It's common for employees in China to refer to their managers by their formal titles. So, hypothetically, if Facebook were a Chinese company, Mark Zuckerberg might be referred to as Teacher Zuckerberg or Boss Zuckerberg. But Yiming broke with that tradition. In the office, he went by classmate Yiming, and in fact, he had everyone refer to one another as classmates to create a sense of equality in the office.
3: ByteDance has a flat company structure. The atmosphere is that you and your leader just call each other by name, and you don't have to refer to him as so-and-so teacher or so-and-so boss. I think that's a good thing, because that sort of formality is pretty inhibiting. So when we were talking about certain issues, we were really just addressing those issues, rather than feeling restricted by the differences in our rank.
0: I think ByteDance's flat structure helped. This employee joined ByteDance in 2018 when she was in her mid-20s. She asked to remain anonymous. China's economy in the past few years has had its
3: ups and downs and lots of uncertainty. But I felt like ByteDance was a different world. It only had ups. You have infinite stuff to do and infinite businesses to explore. I was so happy when I first joined. The atmosphere was so energetic and the future felt good. I could learn lots of stuff. And I remember just feeling super pumped every day. This
0: ByteDance employee did product research at the company. She says Yiming was different from other Chinese tech founders. Guys like Alibaba's Jack Ma were loud and pretty self-important. In contrast, Yiming was quiet, understated
3: what strikes me the most about him is that he's not someone who stands out he dresses really casually and he just doesn't have a strong presence he's not like I need three bodyguards and four assistants to follow me around he's low-key in group settings and when it's lunchtime and a bunch of people squeeze into the elevator he'll just stand there and wait for the next one he's really good at fading into the background
0: I've had like four different people tell me that, at first glance, they mistook Yiming for a low-level engineer. He'd show up to work in jeans, a tattered sweatshirt, and his wire-rimmed glasses. He'd sit in the common space and code on his computer. Sometimes he'd wear a baseball cap, pulled down really low. Here's John.
1: You would not know who the founder of the company was. In no way. Um, and uh, and I remember I was working with a group uh, in, a, in in... Uh, Some tables, and you know, Yiming was over there at his desk the whole time working by himself.
0: But even though Yiming strived to create a casual work environment, employees say working at ByteDance was incredibly draining, intense. It was far more fast paced and frenzied than at other companies. The employee we interviewed said she burnt out after less than a year.
3: After a while, the excitement that I felt disappeared and I started to feel like a worker on an assembly line. Every day you enter the offices early and when you leave it's already dark. I didn't even know what time it was because we sat on an open office floor where the lights were always on and there was always someone still at the office. The only way I could tell the changing of the seasons was by observing the leaves on the trees. When I first started the trees were green, then the leaves were turning yellow. Then some more time passed, and the tree branches were bare. There's a neighborhood nearby, and if I knocked off early, like around 7 or 8 at night, I saw little kids running around. I was jealous of them. They looked
0: so free and so
3: relaxed.
0: Leaving the office at 8 at night was considered early to her because people describe China's work culture as 996. People are working from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week.
5: Work hours are definitely insane. There's no question about that. I, re- I think, I remember the funniest thing someone said is they're like, the hours are actually, they actually really respect work-life balance here. Like, we only work six days a week. And I was like, what? And then, and then like, Saturdays are mandatory, basically. And, um, and then the second thing, they were like, we only have to stay till 10.30, 11. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, in no universe is that the case in the West. Uh, this
0: person worked with big-name Silicon Valley companies for decades. He spoke to me on the condition of anonymity, but this is his real voice. He served as an advisor to ByteDance, helping them devise a plan to take on Facebook and YouTube.
5: I mean, China's here to win, are they not? I'd say the thing that was different about them versus the other companies based in China I've interacted with is, is this one felt more like a Google Silicon Valley like company than the others. Uh, it's one of the reasons, you know, they're able at ByteDance to like turn out features so, so, so quickly. Um, I and mean, the Chinese are known for copying, but like ByteDance is a, is a different level of velocity. Um, but like, like there are like material features that they could turn out within weeks that would take another company months.
0: Turning out new features in a matter of weeks sounds almost superhuman. But again, that goes back to the intense work culture at ByteDance, which starts at the top. Lu Zhen, the senior executive at ByteDance, worked closely with Yiming for years. She said he's such a workaholic that he even travels to other countries when there's a holiday in China because he doesn't want to stop working.
4: You know, sometimes when there's a China holiday that Yiming will say, let's go to the U.S. because now he's Chinese here. Mm-hmm. Everyone doesn't work, but in the U.S., we can still work. Huh. <laughs>
0: Jen and I spoke when I visited ByteDance's Beijing headquarters in January 2019. And I remember sitting in the office cafeteria afterwards and staring at a TV, playing this weirdly emotional video of employee testimonies. It was right around the New Year holiday. ByteDance employees had taped a video sharing last year's regrets and their New Year's resolutions. What stuck out was this one employee apologizing to her kids for staying at the office so late that she never saw them. I jotted down her exact words. I'm sorry to my kids that I'm never home, she said. Another told her ex-boyfriend, I'm sorry I just didn't spare enough time for you while I toiled at the office. By the way, when we asked ByteDance about this, they gave us a statement. ByteDance is a unique and exciting place to build a career. Our growth is a testament to the dedication and commitment of all of our employees. Our culture is similar to most early stage startups. Even as employees were working around the clock, there still weren't enough people to keep up with the company's growth. And Yiming was aggressive with hiring. He wanted to get the best engineers and executives, often poaching from his competitors. He first approached Liu Zhen while she was still running strategy for Uber in China.
4: But The thing about Yiming is Yiming is very, Yiming is an introvert, you know, he's engineering by training, you know, not very social, and he doesn't like going out and socialize with other people. Mm-hmm. But... When it comes to recruiting he's very talents, he's very Tenacious. persistent, uh, aggressive, persistent. Yeah. I don't know how many times he comes to this little cafe you know, near where I live, near my apartment in Beijing, you know, on the east side, actually, yeah. the opposite side of where the company is, where he lives. And he's very persistent. Right. Can we <laughs> meet and as I said, a lot of people would say, hey, you know, hi, take care, right. you know, I give you some room, right. you know, then we, we connect. And Yiming right. was very straightforward. He has <laughs> always said, can we meet?
0: It sounds like Lu Zhen and Yiming had a friendly relationship, or else she probably wouldn't be joking about him borderline stalking her. She was speaking on a podcast called The Next Billion with ByteDance investor Hans Tang. Around this time, ByteDance emerged as a different sort of Chinese employer. China has a reputation for low wages and sprawling factories. But Yiming was paying some of the highest salaries in the market. Here's Yiming with my colleague Peter.
5: What is the top of the
3: market
4: in terms of AI engineers? What kind of salaries are we talking about? The unlimited, salary for the unlimited, <laughs> yeah. yeah. unlimited salary for unlimited talent. I'm sure they'll love to hear that.
0: Unlimited salary for unlimited talent. Sounds like a platitude, but it's not. Let me underscore how unusual this is. At ByteDance, there was no ceiling for how much top employees could earn. Some engineers were making $1 million a year, and Yiming was often paying 50% more than his competitors. Throwing money at a problem became something Yiming would do again and again as his company grew bigger. He saw that paying top dollar to hire employees, acquire other startups, and buy advertising, could serve as a kind of shortcut to success, that he could turbocharge his growth by just paying for it. And as fast as he was spending money, even more money kept flowing in from venture capital backers, many of whom were American. Yiming raised almost $8 billion in VC money. In 2018, ByteDance surpassed Uber and became the world's most valuable startup. It's even overtaken companies like Starbucks and Goldman Sachs. The buckets of cash from big investors like SoftBank and Sequoia gave ByteDance a mandate and the means to start expanding around the world.
1: Part of the purpose of that raise was for ByteDance to essentially go global, to go beyond the borders of China and take their unique technology uh, and really their secret sauce is this uh, AI that can effectively learn a user, user's preference and serve them content with a precision that, you know, I've not seen anyone else really do.
0: That's John again, who worked at Flipagram, the slideshow app ByteDance acquired in 2016. He said this would be a big deal. No Chinese consumer app had ever hit it big in the U.S. John stayed on staff at ByteDance for a couple of years, helping the company buy more American startups and sign music deals with U.S. record labels. He says the first time he walked into ByteDance's Beijing headquarters, he was floored by just how many people were lining up to get in.
1: I think it, when I joined, it was a few thousand employees, and when I left, it was like 30,000 or something crazy. But I remember the first day uh, in Beijing at headquarters, I was in the lobby, and there was, I don't know, like 100 people. I met up with uh, the woman I worked for there, and I said, What's, what is that? She's like, oh, those are new hires. And I was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. And then what I realized, that happened every day. Every day there was this huge, you know, group of new employees. We'll
0: be right back. With billions of dollars from venture capital in hand and an army of employees, ByteDance was pushing out dozens of apps at a time to see what sticks. They were sometimes referred to as an app factory. Yiming was trying to find his next big product. He'd been following the success of a lip-syncing app called Musical.ly as it hit it big in the U.S., so he decided to copy it. It might sound unsavory to some listeners, but China has a reputation for taking technology that's popular in the West and just adapting it to the Chinese market. Alibaba began as an eBay copycat, and WeChat was originally a clone of WhatsApp. ByteDance successfully copied musically and created two products. One is called Douyin, which was exclusively for the Chinese market. The second was an early version of TikTok, which they released internationally. For simplicity's sake, I'm going to call it TikTok 1.0. Here's Yu Ming on a Chinese talk show.
2: This company in the U.S. had similar products and services. But if you take a close look, we offer a user experience that's very different. Actually, there's a lot of innovation behind what we made. And that's the main reason why Douyin can satisfy the needs of Chinese users.
0: To me, what Yiming is saying is that it's easy to copy an idea, but it's much harder to execute on it. TikTok 1.0 was successful in a handful of Southeast Asian countries. But crucially, it didn't catch on in the U.S., so it didn't quite fulfill Yiming's global dreams. You know, being big in Thailand is just not the same as making it in America. So Yiming determined it wasn't enough to just copy Musical.ly. He wanted to buy it. At the time, Musical.ly was shopping itself around. They had met with Facebook and YouTube. But actually... Musical.ly got the furthest in acquisition talks with another Chinese tech company, Kuaishou, which is backed by Tencent. For Yiming, this was red alert. He was not going to let a Chinese competitor beat him to the U.S. market. So he pounced. ByteDance had deep pockets, and they offered to buy Musical.ly for close to $1 billion, so Musical.ly wouldn't fall into the hands of one of Yiming's rivals. A few people told me this was way more than what Musical.ly was worth. Inside ByteDance, many people thought this purchase was a mistake because ByteDance had already launched their own music video app. They thought the company could take on the U.S. without Musical.ly. Also, Musical.ly came with a big problem, namely their super young user base. Kids under 13 years old aren't exactly dependable customers. You can't tell if they'll grow up with the app or ditch it. Here's Roy Ma, a former tech banker in China and Silicon Valley, So my understanding of the story is
4: that basically Musical.ly was very popular with a certain demographic, but it failed to catch on with other demographics because its content was too narrow, right? So it was really good for discovering and um, promoting these preteen stars that were not so good at adding to the breadth
0: on the platform. And the preteen users led to a second, more serious problem. The U.S. government was already investigating whether Musical.ly had violated child privacy laws by collecting so much data on kids under 13. The issues with child data scared off potential buyers like Disney and Facebook. But Yiming wasn't faced by that. He thought the Musical.ly acquisition would fast-track U.S. growth. To him, the U.S. was the crown jewel in a strategy to spread his apps around the world. Instead of spending time wooing tens of millions of American users, ByteDance could just buy them and instantly become a global social media powerhouse. And that's what they did. ByteDance bought Musical.ly, and the companies held this gigantic party in Hollywood in August 2018. In a surprise move, they announced they were shutting down Musical.ly and folding it completely into TikTok. This would be TikTok version 2.0, the TikTok as we now know it.
5: (laughs) Pretty much the same concept, like twins of Musical.ly.
0: That's Musical.ly's founder, Alex Ju, speaking on stage at the launch party. Alex is introducing ByteDance, TikTok's parent company. One of the partygoers shot this video.
3: And it's growing super, super fast. (laughs) It's actually the most downloaded app
5: in the world in this year,
1: overtaking
4: Facebook,
0: Instagram, YouTube. And tonight- TikTok had invited hundreds of users who had become famous on Musical.ly to the party. There was a lot of alcohol, fist pumping, flashing lights, and a lot of selfies. In the weeks leading up to the event, TikTok paid some of them tens of thousands of dollars per video to post on the app, asking their followers to follow them on TikTok instead of YouTube or Instagram.
5: But now the war is your stage. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> New
5: global audience. You couldn't have reached before. Like people in Taiwan, people in Korea, people in China. Dream.
0: <laughs> at this point, the crowd is going nuts. Many teenagers are holding up their phones to record Alex and screaming at the top of their lungs.
5: The new name of the new platform will be TikTok! Woo! TikTok! <laughs> oh,
0: At midnight, the Musical.ly logo disappeared from tens of millions of phones. In its place was the TikTok icon, a neon music note on a black background. Many of the Musical.ly users were upset when they woke up the next morning and saw their beloved app replaced. But the purchase of Musical.ly would give ByteDance a strong foothold into the American market and completely rewrite the story of ByteDance's success. In the coming years, TikTok would transform into a cultural force that shaped an entire generation of young Americans through music, celebrity, culture, and even politics. But the fact that all of this came from a Chinese company with an ambitious founder operating under an authoritarian government, that would make TikTok's future anything but certain. That's next time on Foundering. Wandering is hosted by me, Shelly Banjo. Sean Wen is our executive producer. Jiping Huang, Peter Elstrom, David Ramley, and Kurt Wagner contributed reporting to this episode. Ray Mondo is our audio engineer. Mark Millian, Anne Vandermeer, and Alistair Barr are our story editors. Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcasts. Special thanks to everyone who helped us with the English language dubs of Chinese news footage. That includes Silvio Carrillo, Edwin Chan, Brian Christian, Danielle Colbertson, Kevin Hines, Davy Kim, and Courtney Malone. Here's my colleague, Zhe Ping Huang, who's going to credit the Chinese shows we excerpted from.
1: Hi, this is Zhe Ping Huang, one of the reporters on the show. This episode, you have heard audio from Sunshu, 汽车行业, 数据发布, 对话, and 刚正面。
0: Be sure to subscribe. And if you like our show, leave a review. Most importantly, tell your friends. See you next time.